Everyone, start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us. Of course, we are live on Sunday nights, and all of the different ways to listen to the show, including the uh, download of the audio only version, all of that is at Jim Paris radio.com jim paris radio.com another new record this past week of people uh listening to the show both with the live stream and the download so it just keeps going and we do have the new uh wednesday episode that just started this week and uh that's uh ask me anything and the ask me anything episodes are Recorded on Wednesdays, we'll usually go out uh, later in the day on Wednesday or sometime on Thursday. That goes out just to our audio feeds. That means iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and SoundCloud, uh, all of the places where the podcast is distributed. That particular episode is only a podcast version. It's not live and it's not distributed uh, by video to any of our video platforms. So you can get all of that information over at Jim Paris Radio. Com. Tonight, uh, Nikki Egan is back with us, and I'm super excited about this book. It I, I can't tell you how unreal this story is. It's called Victim F, and as many of you know, I'm a true crime buff. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, read a lot of true crime books, uh, audible books, that sort of thing, and I have never quite heard of a story like this before. It is truly something unique that will give you chills. You'll be upset. Uh, you're not going to believe it. it. It's it's so unreal. It could never work as a fictional, uh, as a novel, because nobody would buy it. I mean, like no publisher would print this as a novel because they would say, no, this is just this can't happen. But it happened, and uh, truth is definitely stranger than fiction in this case. And Nikki Egan will be with us to talk about Victim F in 27 minutes. Next week, our friends from the International Cruise Victims Association will be back. Now, they haven't been with us, I think, in maybe a year or a year and a half. And why? Because people haven't been taking cruises. So we didn't really have to worry too much about all of the uh, assaults and rapes and crimes that are being committed on cruise ships because the cruise industry has largely been shut down. But now that the uh, cruise cruises are operating again, we're kind of back in the same uh, situation as we were before COVID and all that. A lot of cruises going out uh, of Florida here. And uh, there are some special considerations now. You know, what are your rights as a passenger uh, with all these new rules regarding vaccinations and COVID and what happens if you get sick? And what about uh, crimes on cruise ships? You know, what what are some of the, uh, you know, issues to be concerned about, uh, especially if you have uh, 
children or teenagers traveling with you. Uh, just a lot to talk about. It's always good to have them with us. At least once a year, we have them with us, and they'll be back here next week. Uh, we've got Jamie Barrett from the International Cruise Victims Association. Let's hit some of the top news stories tonight. Hurricane Ida made landfall earlier today in New Orleans as a Category 4 hurricane with 145-mile-per-hour winds. And uh, it's now been downgraded to a Category 3 hurricane. The issue, as always, with New Orleans is not so much the wind, but it is the the rain. And they are issuing flash flood warnings all throughout that area, uh, even further north of New Orleans into areas like Baton Rouge. And uh, New Orleans, if you've never been there, it's a very interesting place. Uh, of course, uh, you've got the the jazz theme, the French theme, all of that. Um, but, you know, there are some odd things about New Orleans. For example, there are restaurants where you can literally sit and eat and look up and see the waterline because New Orleans is largely under under sea level. It's below sea level. If not for all of the uh, water pumps and the you know sophisticated uh, dams and the way that they've got the, the city drained, if not for that, it would be underwater. And all of that is is man-made. And so nature has its way when we have these kinds of events where there becomes literally so much rain, so much flooding, uh, that all of that infrastructure, that man-made infrastructure that keeps the city from being underwater uh, just cannot handle it, the surge. We don't know yet how serious things will be in New Orleans. However, I did post on my Facebook page a live webcam if you're interested, I just looked at it before we went live and it's still up and running. They've still got obviously some kind of power. I know there's been a lot of power outages all throughout that, that whole area. Uh, New Orleans and even north of New Orleans has, has gone uh, without power. Uh, but uh, this webcam is still running and uh, it, it was still light a few minutes ago and I could see uh, the rain coming in, the rain bands coming in and the wind. Uh, so that is on my Facebook page if you want to take a look. So our thoughts and prayers go out to all of our listeners and friends in southeast Louisiana. And of course, uh, this week was a tragic one uh, for our military. 13 U.S. service members died, not to mention the dozens that were injured in Afghanistan because of the Joe Biden debacle there. We're not going to spend any time tonight really dissecting that and talking about it. Everybody's been talking about it now for days, so we don't need to re-discuss that. But we do need tonight uh, to send our thoughts and prayers to the families of those that died and those that were injured in Afghanistan uh, in this complete debacle uh, that Joe Biden owns. Uh, just unreal. Uh, Ed Asner, you probably remember him as the beloved actor on the Mary Tyler Moore show and also another show called Lou Grant which I really love. Now, you've got to be probably north of 50 to remember either of those shows, uh, unless you're watching reruns, you know, the, the syndicated uh, versions of those shows where, where they're replayed over the years. So Ed Asner, he won seven Emmys, and he died at the age of 91. And uh, like a lot of people are saying on my Facebook page, I loved him as an actor, not so much his politics. He was very political, a liberal guy. Um, but uh, loved him uh, as an actor. And uh, he also was the 
president of the uh, Actors uh, Union as well for a number of years. So, uh, you know, quite a, a legend, a big name, uh, lived a long life, uh, had a, a very fruitful career. Uh, uh, Ed Asner, winner of seven Emmys, dead at the age of 91. And Robert F. Kennedy's killer, Sirhan Sirhan, uh, has been recommended for parole. And man, does this just not sit right with me? Um, you know, I, I just, I, I know we had a guest on the show, what was it, about a year ago, who had a whole new narrative on the RFK uh, death, um, not suggest, believing it wasn't Sirhan Sirhan. Um, we're not going to get into that tonight. Uh, that interview, I might repost it as a best of maybe in the next uh, week or two since this is now in the news. But, uh, I mean, without new evidence, without proving that he's innocent, I, I just don't know. I mean, how you can assassinate a presidential candidate in the United States and ever see the light of day again. And this is why so many people who might be persuaded to... Uh, get rid of the death penalty. You know, I, I've thought about this before. And when I see cases where we can look back in hindsight and people have been wrongly convicted, which has certainly happened uh, many times in this country, it makes you wonder, maybe we should get rid of the death penalty. And if we could really believe that life in prison is life in prison, I think we could get rid of the death penalty. But when you see a case like this, especially in liberal California, uh, it just turns your stomach. I mean, the idea that, uh, you know, after all the Kennedy family had gone through with the death of JFK, that we've got his brother is running for president, and then, then he is assassinated. And his convicted assassin, Sirhan Sirhan, uh, looks like he's recommended for parole. I don't know enough about how the system works in California to know what that means. Does that mean he's going to get paroled? Does that mean there's still additional hearings or whatnot maybe he actually won't get paroled but uh i just can't even fathom him walking around free i i just can't even imagine that uh i don't know it it didn't seem to get a lot of news coverage this week i guess so many other things happening but uh man i just i mean historically uh just one of the uh, most infamous names sirhan sirhan could be a free man. Uh, just just unbelievable, uh, unreal. All right, tonight's sponsor keeping us commercial free is internetpaycheckforlife.com. And I keep reminding you about this because so many of you email me during the week. You want ideas on businesses that you can run from home, things you can do online to make money. I get so many, a website, how to start an online income, all of those kind of things. So we've got an online course that's all about this, and we're making available five free videos. Five of the lessons are free. You don't have to register. You don't have to give us your email or a credit card or anything like that. We have five free videos for you right now. Tonight's sponsor, keeping us commercial free, internetpaycheckforlife.com. Internetpaycheckforlife.com. And after you get over there and you watch the five videos and you maybe have a couple of questions about whether this is for you or not, you can always email me, jim at christianmoney.com, 
Jim at ChristianMoney.com. And again, tonight's sponsor, Internet Paycheck for Life. Well, you may have seen the news that the eviction and rent moratorium has been struck down by the Supreme Court. And I've been searching online trying to get sort of the, the, the actual real life meaning of that. In other words, does that mean that people can start getting evicted and foreclosed upon like right away? And it seems like the answer is yes. And so what's happening is... Uh, Congress is rushing to do something legislatively about this, to officially extend this through law, because what the Supreme Court said was that uh, the CDC uh, cannot, which is just a government agency, uh, the CDC and Joe Biden cannot just order uh, landlords to let people live rent free. Uh, and I was uh, visiting with a, a gentleman this weekend. We were up in St. Simons Island, Georgia, and I was visiting with one of the business owners up there. And he was telling me a story about a situation there in Georgia where someone was living rent free under the eviction moratorium in a home. And then they were subletting out different rooms in the home and collecting rent from that. <laughs> so they were collecting an income from their tenants that they were subletting to, and then they were refusing to pay any rent to the landlord under the eviction moratorium. Uh, I guess it would have been smart if his uh, you know, tenants uh, didn't pay him either, but they were paying him, and then he wasn't paying uh, the landlord. So for right now, it looks like the eviction moratorium has been tossed, and uh, without congressional action very quickly, uh, it looks like, you know, there's going to be a problem. And I've said this from the beginning. If there are people that need to get help, that's great. And we need to help them. But it's not this is not the way to do it, to make landlords who are paying uh, mortgage uh, payments, taxes, maintenance and all of that on those properties to let people live there for free. Not just for a few weeks. This has been going on for over a year. I mean, how can how can these landlords continue in this situation? The, the answer would be to create some kind of a program and to to pay the rent for these people if that's what the government decides uh, is the right thing to do. But I can tell you uh, that what what this is leading to is just a complete collapse of the service industry, because if you have not been in a restaurant recently, um, I have reported every week now for weeks how so many restaurants are closed. But there's just weird things going on in restaurants um, I had, I was, uh, on the road today coming back from Georgia and we stopped at a McDonald's, um, to use the bathroom. The bathroom was absolutely filthy. It was so filthy. I wouldn't even use the sink to wash my hands. And so I go over and I, you know, place an order and I ordered just one small item. I ordered, I ordered a box of French fries. <laughs> I, I don't know why I, I never do that, but I, I had a craving for French fries. So I ordered a large fry. And it probably took 15 minutes just to get a box of French fries. And there was only two other people in, in there um, other than me. Um, and it's just, it's it's a disaster. The, and the, nobody, they're back there yelling at each other. Because you're what you're basically dealing with is the only people that are left working are those people who haven't figured out how to get in on the free money. Uh, so, I mean, 
God bless those people that are working. I'm just saying that it's it's very dysfunctional. Even the wonderful restaurant we ate at for dinner last night, which is one of our favorite restaurants, you know, we went online to make a reservation and the way it looked was we can only, you know, pick from like two or three times. So like this place is probably going to be full when we walk in uh, because all the reservations were taken and we get in there and two thirds of the tables are empty and, and uh, they can't, in other words, even though there's table space, they don't have enough servers to actually seat people at every table. So, so the reach is like one third capacity. Another restaurant we went to for lunch on Saturday, um, we stood there outside in the heat. It started raining. We stood there for 20 minutes and we were staring at like three open tables that were just right there on the deck. Even, you know, we'll sit outside. I'll sit on one of those decks just to get in out of the rain. Uh, nope, we can't seat you because we're short staffed. And so finally I negotiated, look, let, let me sit down. I, I don't mind if no one comes to the table for 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, I get that, but I'd like to come in from out of the sun and the rain if possible. So finally they let me sit down and we had a wonderful lunch and all that. But this is just kind of the odd stuff that's going on in these service businesses when um, there's just not enough people working there. And, and you just have to say, well, what has changed? I mean, what has changed? Why are all of these places without workers? And the only thing that I can point to is all of this COVID money. Uh, there's now, you know, every child you have, you get 300 a month. This mortgage and, and foreclosure uh, moratorium on, on evictions, um, all of these programs, the unemployment, uh, the federal add-on to the unemployment, all of this, uh, you know, uh, uh, PPP loans, all of these things. There's just too much money. It, I mean, it's one thing to help people that need it. But when you're at a point where every business you walk past has a help wanted sign, when you have restaurants closed because they can't get workers, and when you just see the dysfunctional service happening in restaurants, this is just too much. It, it really is. And I'm, I'm glad we did the recent interview last week on socialism because I think this is really a move towards socialism. And this is what socialism look, looks like. Uh, it, it's, it's a restaurant where you go in and only one third of the tables can be used because they can't get workers. I mean, that's, that's what it is like in some countries. You can't get basic services. All right. Um, I want to talk about something that's happening. And uh, someone that I've known for many years died today of COVID. And uh, his name is Mark Bernier. And uh, Mark and I started in radio together at a small radio station in Orlando. Mark had a show there and I had a show there. And uh, he also began producing uh, a show for a gentleman by the name of Steve Crawley, who was a, a financial guy. He used to be on ABC television. So Mark became his producer. Uh, but uh, we stayed in touch over the years. And then when Mark uh, started here in Daytona Beach, with a local show, which I guess he's had for over 30 years. Uh, I appeared on his show as a guest many times and, uh, we stayed in touch over the years and, uh, a genuinely nice guy. I got to know him, uh, really well over the years and also his wife a little bit. And, uh, he died of COVID. Uh, many of you may know Mark because he appeared regularly on Fox news and, and other, uh, channels as a commentator, in addition to having his, 
his show here in Daytona Beach, which was Monday through Friday from uh, 3 to 6 p.m. But there's a tragic thing happening, and this happened with Mark and several others. Um, Mark was an anti-vax guy. He did not believe in the vaccine, uh, which is his opinion. You know, that's his right, and, and you know that I've gotten the vaccine, and I've explained to you why I did it. Um, but, you know, here's a guy who his 30-year career is now being defined by the fact that he chose not to get the vaccine. And and it's really horrible what they're doing to his memory. All of the national news are picking this up, which, you know, Mark was well-known in this area, but he wasn't really a national figure. I don't mean to take anything away from him. What I'm saying is, these national publications are only covering his death because he was anti-vax and they want to make an example out of him. And they're doing this to other conservatives, other talk show hosts. The, the headline was uh, third conservative radio host, uh, anti-vax radio host dies. And that's the headline. And then they've got a picture of Mark and his you know, tiny bit about his history. And it's mostly about that. He was anti-vax and look, he died. And it's just, I don't know. It's just in the poorest of taste. I mean, if someone, if you can't just honor his memory and his family at the time of his death, just don't say anything. I, I just, you know, this is the, one of the most distasteful things that the media is doing is, is, is highlighting these people's deaths uh, by making the headline that they chose not to get the vaccination. And I don't know Mark's personal medical situation. I mean, maybe he had a reason not to get the vaccination. Not everybody should get it. There are some people that have pre-existing medical conditions that would make getting the vaccine not a good choice. Maybe his doctor told him not to get the vaccination. I don't know. I'm not here to defend that one way or the other. But I do think it is it is in horrible taste uh, to take someone's entire life, their entire professional career and reduce it down to, uh, you know, that they did not get the vaccination, that that is how they're remembered. That is their tombstone in the media. Anti-vaxxer dies. Uh, not too much older than me, I guess nine years older than me. And um, I'd run into him around town and. I mean, we weren't super close friends, but we always had that connection of starting together uh, and we always stayed in touch. And uh, I was on a show uh, several times as a guest. And uh, I don't know, it's just uh, it's surreal to see someone, you know, uh, to pass away at such a young age, which I, you know, I guess now that I'm 56, I think of uh, 65 as young. And I I, I do. I, I really think 65 is young. 65 is too young uh, to die. Uh, but uh, if, if you're in the uh, Daytona area and you listen to Mark Bernier, as I did very frequently, uh, you know, some of this uh, some of this news information here locally that is more fair to him, giving more tribute to his 30 years in radio and, and, and stay away from all this garbage, this crap that is just boiling his career down to this, you know, anti-vax headline it's just it's just it's it's just so unfair to his memory to do that and the media is doing this to to mark bernier and they're doing it to others 
And uh, I think it needs to stop. All right. Bitcoin, uh, I, I just, I, I've read several different articles uh, about uh, price projections on Bitcoin. And by the way, um, the new episode of my podcast, which I'm recording on Wednesdays, uh, which I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that episode that I recorded on Wednesday of this week, that episode has my own Bitcoin price prediction in it. And so you want to listen to it for that reason, if, if no other. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people doing analysis, coming with, up with the same number, which is $100,000 uh, by Christmas for Bitcoin. And right now, uh, trading around $49,000 today. And if you're a new listener to the show, you know I've been talking about Bitcoin since it was $12. Uh, so, so if you're new, go back in my YouTube channel and you'll see, uh, this is not like some new thing for me. I'm not jumping on a bandwagon. I know a little bit about this. I wrote a book about Bitcoin, which you can see over my right shoulder. Uh, I, I think it's, I, I personally think that this could very well happen. A uh, hundred thousand, very good feeling about that. I really think that could happen. This prediction, however, from Fidelity, one analyst at Fidelity, this one is blowing my mind. Uh, they're suggesting Bitcoin could hit $100 million by 2035. And I don't know, that sounds nuts to me. That sounds crazy. Um, but you might think my price prediction is crazy uh, in my podcast that I recorded on Wednesday. Uh, because I, you know, I, I get into the seven figures. I'll give you a little bit of a hint on that. But uh, Bitcoin to reach a hundred million per Bitcoin by 2035. I don't know. I, I would love that to be true, <laughs> especially if I'm still around. I always wonder, you know, am I still going to be around at 2035? That's what for around. I will be 70 years old. I hope I'm still around at 70. It, you know, if my wife is still around, I hope I'm still around. I, I told my wife today, you know, I'm not really sure what point there would be for me living if she's, if she dies at some point, you know, before me, I, I, I just can't imagine that. But uh, in any case, uh, in 14 years, could Bitcoin be worth a hundred million dollars? All right. So as we close it out, uh, I want to mention this again. I mentioned it, uh, on the Wednesday, uh, recorded show. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the live show in a long time, but there is a way if you get started with Bitcoin, you can get some extra Bitcoin. And that is, if you go to this link, bitcoinbonus.us, bitcoinbonus.us, that is a referral link that I have set up with Coinbase. And if you put $100 in, they'll give you an extra 10. Here's the cool thing you can do. You can actually give your own referral link out to people you know that want to get started with Bitcoin. And then every time someone gets $10 extra, Bitcoin like that, they give you $10 of Bitcoin. And um, I think I've gotten, I wrote about this in my book, I think I've gotten between that and a couple of other referral programs over $1,000 in Bitcoin. That was the original value. And now, of course, it's worth a lot more than that because it's gone up over time. Uh, but if you want to learn more about getting Bitcoin for free, there's a lot of different programs like this. Uh, but this one is um, bitcoinbonus.us. And then there's a whole chapter in my book, The 90-Minute Bitcoin Quick Start. There's a whole chapter. It's the last chapter on how to get Bitcoin for free. There's a lot of different programs, referral programs, affiliate programs, things like that. Get paid in Bitcoin and get free Bitcoin just like this. 
So if you want to get started, my suggestion is to use Coinbase and use the link bitcoinbonus.us to get that free Bitcoin. All right, I'm going to hold the book up right here. The book is Victim F. And uh, this is going to be incredible. I, I have to tell you, there's no other story like this that I've ever heard. And you know, I'm a true crime guy. I love reading true crime. I listen to all the podcasts. Of anything I've ever heard, this story has blown my mind. Victim F. Up next, Nikki Egan, uh, co-author of Victim F, is with us. Stay tuned. We'll refire the open. We'll be back in one minute. 